we've only scored. We got through the tournament by scoring one goal. We got through to the fucking second round by by scoring one goal. Um, everybody says no, it was two. Well, no, we qualified before the third game where we scored our second goal. So, but no, we, we had a good game the other night, and we should be okay. We should walk it tonight, I think. Um, yeah, I'll tell said, you what, those those Brazilians, you guys are going to have a problem with <laughs> Brazilians. Yeah, don't doesn't doesn't Brazil always play in every soccer match? <laughs> this is the Euros. You What's the difference? Copa America's on at the moment, isn't it? I don't know. Who knows? Brazil's going to come over there anyway. Beat you guys in the Euro Cup. <laughs> okay. <laughs> All right. Let's begin. <laughs> This is Frank Riker. And this is Darren Sands. And this is a Slaughter Lamb podcast. Darren, cruel. What are we doing? <laughs> cool, cruel summers. 1985, but a part one because 1985 is so big, right? With blockbusters and shitty movies all in the same. We, can, we can't deviate on what we're going to pick because 1985 seems to be the catalyst. Yeah, it was, it was a huge year. So we, when we looked at it, there was like, well, we got to talk about this, and we got to talk about this, and we can't leave this out, and and we ended up with like twenty odd films or something. So we this said, this is okay, too okay. shitty to not to talk about. <laughs> yeah, exactly, yeah. So we decided that we'd do a Twilight with it and split it down the middle and have a part one and a part two. So, um, so yeah, so this is part one, um, and we got some interesting key moments. I tried to be quite jovial. I like, right, let's try to make this a happy one. So the first ever. In 1985, mobile cell phone call was made. But who was it made by? Alexander Graham Bell. No, um, <laughs> no, it was made by Ernie Wise. To Vodafone. <laughs> to Vodafone, yeah. To who's, Vodafone. Who, who's Ernie Weiss? <laughs> Wise. Well, who's that too? Ernie Wise was one half of a of a of a. A comedic double act called Morecambe and Wise. Um, he was like the stooge. So the, the Eric Morecambe was the really funny guy, and, and Ernie Wise was the butt of the jokes all the time. But uh, yeah, he made the first ever mobile phone call in 1985 to Vodafone, who are a, mo- a huge mobile phone network company in this uh, country. So I still it was quite significant because he was a he was a classic British comedian. And, uh, you know, I thought I'd put it on there. There's probably only about 10% of our listeners who know who the fuck Ernie Wise is. But um, he was good. (laughs) I didn't expect you to. (laughs) You know, so we have these people to thank for what we have right now in our pockets. We do. Okay. We don't have to thank Steve Jobs, you know, because these are the people who did it. Now, more importantly, our next key moment was Playboy announced they're going to remove staples from the centerfold. Uh, the pictures and Madonna uh, posed nude now was that with pit or no pit hair <laughs> or with staple I don't know because the Madonna nude thing was a different time of the year so I can't quite work out whether it was before or after the staple cull I think if it was in the winter she would have the pit hair she wouldn't have minded being stapled <laughs> how many of those sledder folds are have staples anyway 
you know, just to control their eating habits. So uh, what did they do? What did they do? Did they glue them? I think so. No, no, no. They did the tab. Uh, they glue the, the top part of the picture. That's why you got a lot of the people, they... When Is that they, like a uh, fold-out? It's a fold-out. You know, it's when you saw people do this, and they looked up and down. Okay. But the problem was is that a lot of kids and a lot of mechanics, you know, people worked on the cars, would take the centerfolds and put them all over the shop, all over the walls. Yeah. And then yeah. you would see, like, them, like, ripped in half, you know, and not a full body or the staple would be in their head, and you rip it off and the face is gone. <laughs> You know, but that's what you did as a kid. You, you took posters out of the books and hang them on your wall. Well, they were always sort of found in woodland and things like that, weren't they? Just lying mm-hmm. around. <laughs> <laughs> I, I, I really quick. I did an investigation for animal cruelty one day, and it was a, a, a uh, supposed to be a dog tied up at a playground. So I went there and I was looking for this dog. And would you know, I found a stack of nudie magazines behind a bush in a kid's playground. How disgusting is that? <laughs> what did you do with them? Oh, I left them. I they, were all, they were all sticky already. In the boot of your car? <laughs> <laughs> I returned them to the library. <laughs> Next, oh, oh. we have Darren's favorite artist of all time, Bruce Springsteen releases Born in the USA. And peaks I'm, only at number nine. I love the boss. I saw that Bruce Springsteen's one of the best artists I've ever seen live. He's fantastic live. To do what he does on stage for like four hours, you know, just going into the crowd and asking them what song they want to hear and holding... And nearly 70. And, and Yeah, he's great fun. Um, a little cheesy in the 80s, but, you know, he's found his, uh, his footing now. I think he's pretty cool now as the boss. So He's yeah. got to stop drinking on federal protected lands and then he'd be okay. Is that what he's been doing? Did he get done for like DUA or something like that? Yeah, yeah, he got uh, he got disorderly conduct and uh, DUI, and, uh, it, DUI, DUI, DUI yeah. yeah, DUI, and it was on federal land. Wow. <laughs> so uh, I don't know what happened to it. Uh, you know, if it's the boss, how could you? You have to charge him, but you know, because you have to do your job. Um, but yeah, I mean, I'm sure you the boss. You know what? The boss is better than that shit grin eating. Uh, Bon Jovi I have here. What a prick. <laughs> so the next one, you know, this is this is your neck of the woods. What's released on, on, on premieres on the BBC? EastEnders? East Enders. <laughs> what is is that still on? Is it a soap opera? Yeah, it's a soap opera that's still going today. I guess it's like your sort of the bold and the beautiful or the young and the restless, but with dirty cockney people. Okay. I, don't, I don't watch it to be to be fair I do you know I know a lot about it because it's part of pop culture over here you can't get away from it but um, yeah it's a big thing over here and half the country I guess watches it and the other half watch Coronation Street which is the other soap opera that we have um, but yeah this premiered in 1985 what's that now 36 years ago so mm. are there still people on it that's, that are still that were still on the premiere are they still there are. working there are Jesus Christ there are yeah they started they as kids, children, I guess. Yeah, they were, they were kids at the time. They're now kind of the more senior members of the cast. So, wow, yeah. just those residuals. Um, so we also got in 1985, which I'm running my computer on right now. Microsoft Windows 1.0 is released. Yeah. Uh, so that's the start of uh, Bill Gates's empire. <laughs> uh, 
you know, the windows. And also Live Aid. I remember we were talking about this um, a couple weeks ago. Um, yeah. But it only made seven. It only, there was a, how many billion people? Like two billion people were watching it and only made 70 million? Well, that's not bad. Yeah, but everyone should have donated a dollar. Then you would have what? Two billion. Two billion. <laughs> <laughs> two billion watched it and they raised 70 million. I think that's pretty good, isn't it? Considering, mm-hmm. you know, a lot of the people that were watching it didn't have a pot, a pot to piss in, I guess. Um, out of 70 million is incredible. Oh, on, so they, on okay. One day event? How about this? They don't, why don't they all donated 50 cents? They got a billion. You're telling me that, <laughs> that Bob Geldof, you'll be taking his knighthood away in a minute. <laughs> but isn't, the, the, isn't Bob, uh, wasn't he the one with Andy Kaufman? Get that, Bob? No. Okay, never mind. Uh, what are you talking about now? That Wasn't that like Jerry Lawler? <laughs> the wrestler? Let's yeah. move on to movies. Let's get the fuck out of key moments. So your key moments, you know, either they're happy, uh, you know, confuse the shit out of me. All right? So, all right. Our first movie, May t- uh, 22nd, you know, the, the lovable and still funny to this day, even though he's passed away, Richard Pryor and Brewster's Millions. Money. Everyone wants it. Until now, Monty Booster didn't have it. They tell me you're my only living relative. But he just made money the old-fashioned way. You have 30 days in which to spend 30 million bucks. He inherited it. If you can do it, you get 300 million. But if you fail, you don't get deadly. Why can't I tell my friends? Because I don't want anybody helping me out. What's wrong? Spike, what's wrong? $30 million. The man just got $30 million a good day, you know. He can't keep it unless he can spend it and have nothing left but the shirt on his back. Well, we're going to have a, a lot of fun with this kind of money. <laughs> Jay, I'd like to hire you as my official photographer. Salary, $10,000 a week. How would you like to be my personal driver for the next 30 days at $5,000 a week? What a country. America, I love it. Hey, everybody, anybody want to go to lunch? Everyone thinks he's crazy. I want to bet $50,000. It went up. I think we should consider the possibility of psychiatric help. At the rate you're going, you'll have spent your entire inheritance in less than a month, and you'll have nothing to show for it. But $300 million says he's right on the money. Richard Pryor and John Candy. It's like that old saying, you know, if push my money, I'd be a millionaire. I'm a millionaire. Brewster's Millions, coming soon from Universal Pictures. Darren, what do you think of Brewster's Millions? Is, was, was, is this his all-time best movie? Uh, no, no. The the toy is right. <laughs> the, the, well, the toy could be, I guess, or you know, Richard Pryor, or I don't know, Silver Streak, or Stir mm-hmm. Crazy, or the other one they did, See No Evil, Hear No Evil. They're all great movies. Um, I'm Bruce's Millions is kind of like in the middle somewhere for me. The only reason that I watched it was, I guess, John Candy was one of the reasons that I watched it. And the other reason mm-hmm. is I love the sight of Richard Pryor coming into money. Be it in this film, uh, I think there's a scene in The Toy, and there's also a scene in, in Superman 3. His excitement when he comes into money, and he, you get that kind of... Ooh, 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 he starts biting his hand, he's like... <laughs> yeah, I I kind of think this film's overrated. 
And a lot of these movies in this in 1985, whilst I look back at a lot of them now and I think, yeah, there's some really good stuff. At the time, I think I was distracted with mainstream um, cinema going, I think. You know, there's a lot of these films I didn't see at the cinema. Um, and I was also heavily into um, some fucking weird shit horror shit at the time do you know what i mean i was probably oh okay there you go i thought you were talking about or you know the the latest slacker (laughs) or whatever extracurricular activities yeah yeah so i was distracted by a lot of these movies and so a lot of them you're going to hear my initial thoughts on them which are probably not too favorable but then i've looked a lot of them since and i really quite like them but brewster's millions i was a bit sort of (laughs) about i wasn't that blown away do you know what i mean it was a comedy and but I was I think the, the thing that attracted it to me was the fact that it was fucking directed by Walter Hill who you know given us things like I don't know 48 hours and um and, and lots of other 80s action pictures as well I can't think of them off the top of my head yet but Walt Hill was obviously a big um action director in the mm. uh, in the 80s but it's such an odd film for him to make and he actually said he only did it to uh, to improve his bank account and success quotient. So you know, I I I think the film's okay. Yeah, you know, and it's also um, John Candy with with uh, well, let's give let's give the plot of Brewster Brewster's millions. He comes into money, but he has to spend the money in order to get more money. So that's basically it. But you can't have and anything he, to go for it. No, yeah, and he and he can't you know just give all of it away all at once. He has to you know actually give it as part of a I guess symbolic gesture I guess to show good intent like yeah. buying in a, like a, a kids team you know all new uniforms and everything like that uh, so that's what he has it as well and end up winning and fucking yeah jump. yeah he gets more money he's like son of a bitch <laughs> so one of the things I found out about this is that him and John Candy got along very well because they're both comedians but then also John Candy invited you know Eddie Murphy to come hang out on set Eddie Murphy came down and instantly bonded with Richard Pryor. Instantly. Well, of course, it was his, it was his comedic hero. Yeah, yeah. You know, growing up. But then once that relationship happened, they kind of pushed John Candy away to the side. He got absolutely bitter jealous of it. Yeah, it, but uh, I, I, that's, this is where, you know, um, Eddie and Richard got their bond. It was from and Bruce's doing, He did it couple of films they did they did uh not one night what was it called harlem, harlem nights they yeah did harlem nights yeah you know and uh, it was uh, a long-lasting uh friendship up until you know richard's death of course mm. you know when you look at the success of it at the box office it was a 20 million dollar picture 46 million box office globally i mean that's okay i guess you could call it cool um but the critics hated it with only a 35 percent um score on rotten tomatoes so, yeah, Brewster's Millions, okay. I guess if it was on the TV, I'd kind of take a look at it again. Um, but, you know, our next movie is something that's just kind of embossed in all our brains, I think. Uh, well, yeah, because it was also released on the same day as Brewster's. It was, yeah, and that's um, Sylvester Stallone in Rambo First Blood Part Two. In First Blood, he fought for his life. This time, he's fighting for a lot more. If winning means he has to die, he'll die. Would you choose to call hell? 
He goes home. Stallone is back as Rambo. I'm coming to get you. First Blood, Part 2, rated R. Starts Wednesday, May 22nd at a theater near you. We, we, we both admit that we're a, a Rambo fan, a Sly Stallone fan. Yeah. In general. Yeah. You know, cool. and, and we like, you know, because we all know that the, the end of Rambo was not the way the book was not set up the way the book ended. And they also. Uh, Is this the you know, even First Blood? Or? First Blood. Yeah, the first blood. Yeah. What people don't even call it first blood. They call it Rambo still, don't they? They call it Rambo mm-hmm. one, Rambo two, Rambo. The character has, as to quote Dave uh, McRae, the character has transcended the title. Yeah, no, that's true. That's true. <laughs> you know? You're right. You're right. You know, so when people say, you know, oh, um, what'd you go see? You know, people say, oh yeah, I saw Rambo two. Well, no, it's First Blood Part two. And they're like, no, 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 it's 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 Rambo. We're gonna go see Rambo. Because of the because of the character, yeah, um, yeah. There wasn't supposed to be a sequel. There was no sequel to the book. Didn't he die in the book? He died in the book. Hmm. Uh, remember, at the end of part one, uh, they uh, they filmed they actually deleted scene of Trotman, you know, shooting Rambo on accident. Yeah. He forced the you know, and they forced him to sh- uh, Trotman. Rambo forced Trotman to shoot him, hmm. even by mistake. Yeah, uh, yeah. So we're supposed to see this one. You know, he's incarcerated for everything he did to uh, the town. Uh, and he's got this mission out in Vietnam to check all the POWs, the prisoners of war, and see if there's any there. Because yeah. intelligence says it's there, and he's the only one that can actually do it. Now, when you saw this movie, were you blown away by it? Were you like, this is Rambo like we know? Or were you just like, eh, this is not the same Rambo for the first um, I think when I first saw it, I found it quite relentless, and it, it's a it's a completely different sort of tone to the to, to First Blood. The, the, the one thing that um, that that always strikes me about it is that, and I knew this at the time. I, I remember this stacks. I, I think I remember it on the news. The time that they were actually filming Rambo, there were still two and a half thousand vets missing in action in, in, in Vietnam, which I think is just like, that's horrifying, right? Mm-hmm. And did, I mean, my knowledge on this is is is, is quite limited, but did, did they still find any after that kind of day? I mean, were there any rescues or were, were or did, it, did any get freed or were they just all presumed to be dead, I guess? Yeah, it was, most of them were, were considered MIA, but then at the time, well, later on, many, many years, even after 1985, because we were still on pretty bad terms with Vietnam. Because mm. the war really ended in 1980, yeah, you know, give yeah. or take. Uh, and trying to deal with that government was, was very difficult. Now we're actually, later on, we actually became very friendly, you know, very friendly with them. We're getting our products made there. You know, they're accepting capitalism a little bit. Mm. Um you know, the, uh, we're starting to find just the bodies. Yeah. Like where massive graves were and everything. Um, so, yeah, it was still a del- delicate, I guess, topic. And especially for, I mean, what are you going to do for Rambo uh, for First Blood Part Two? Where can you go? Are you going to send them on the mission inside, you know, the Soviet Union? I mean, there was plenty of things well, it, you can send this, them This to. is what I wondered was, you know, and obviously, again, you know, 
to us it was just mindless entertainment but I guess to Americans it was probably still a bit too close to home a little bit um, was it I mean obviously the box office tells you everything you need to know 300 million globally but at the time that this film came out what were people's thoughts about it because like you said five years before that the war had only just ended and yeah. yet they're making a piece of 80s they're making an 80s action movie out of a piece of entertainment out of this subject matter yeah i mean wasn't the 80s just filled of that going back to vietnam i mean for christ's sakes chuck norris went there back three times yeah, I guess so. <laughs> I, guess so. I know there were a lot, of people. it all seems a bit soon. Do you know what I mean? Um, yes. Yeah. Because I mean, I mean the, to- the tone of movies that you get today, which are based on those kind of factual events like that, are a little more kind of serious. Where this, this, this is kind of well, this is just multiplex popcorn fodder, isn't it? It's you know, there's nothing. You're not going to take Rambo: First Blood Part Two serious in any way. No, you? you know, and, and there's, there's, no, because there's, there's actually people out there. You know, for for one, our our, our friend Jason Nike. You know, he's a, a Rambo, Rocky, Sly Stallone expert, so he would know mm. more about this than us. I mean, at this point, we're just giving our popular opinion about the movie. Nowadays, when something becomes so controversial, you know, pick an event in history that just happened recently within the past decade. They make a movie about it like that. Mm. Takes a year. <laughs> yeah, no, no, I, I get that, but usually it's it's done tastefully and it's done um, factually. And but whereas Rambo's just, you know, it's just we nonsense. could have won the war with two of them. <laughs> exactly. Yeah, <laughs> we've done it for you. <laughs> you know, even with with uh, you know, even with uh, what's his name, um, Michael Cove. Hmm. Yeah, you know he was in it. You know he was there, Crease and uh, Mr. Napier. You know he was. uh, You know he has some one of the best lines in there is "Your murder, a cover for you." You know, and but it's it's a good action movie. I think you have to admit that. But I think this is the one movie that's always on cable streaming services, satellite. Um, This is the one that's on all the time. Yeah. I think it's because it's that this is the one that has the most action in it. Yeah, no, absolutely. And it, just looking at my notes here, it was I, I was just reading about the fact that because Stephen Burkoff plays the, the the nasty old colonel in there, doesn't he? Uh, the Russian colonel. He's every um, villain in the eighties, isn't he? Yeah, 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 yeah. And apparently that was originally going to be Dolph Lundgren, but when Stallone Ooh. figured out that um, he was going to be in Rocky Four. They they passed on him and 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 gave the job to Burkoff. Now it's a bit of a leap, isn't it, from Dolph Lundgren to Stephen Burkoff? You don't need the second uh, muscle, do you? If you brought him, no, in. no, no, because you had that that big guy, that henchman of Burkoff's anyway in the film, didn't you? Why is Hello. Dolph playing all these Soviets? He's Swedish, for Christ's sakes! <laughs> oh dear! And they filmed it in Mexico, right? They did, yeah. They did feel that Mexico. They needed extras. I read about this. This isn't particularly PC, but they needed extras for the film. You know, a lot of the the kind of Vietnamese soldiers of that. So they went around all the Chinese restaurants in Mexico recruiting. Chinese (laughs) restaurants in Mexico. (laughs) Yeah. (laughs) Recruiting extras for to to (laughs) blow up in Rambo. but yeah, I mean, also, and this is uh, this is interesting. And I, I, it's the only film in the Rambo series to be nominated for an Oscar. Sound. 
Yeah, that's correct. Um, best sound effects editing. But we also get his uh, his favorite weapon in this movie, the exploding tip arrow compound bow. <laughs> you know, where the, he's, the guy's shooting at him, remember, on the, uh, on the, on the boulder. Yeah, yeah, the, yeah, the stream yeah. because he just killed his sweetheart. And, well, uh, alone, he did eight months training for this, which included archery. He looks fantastic in this movie, he doesn't does. he? Ripped, he's yeah, all he... ripped, and he's like 60. He's not yeah. 60 in this. He was in no? like, like 30. If he was 60 then, 35 years ago, he'd be fucking 96 now. Isn't he? <laughs> the guy was born in like 40-something, wasn't he? 1947 or something like yeah, that? Yeah, I think he would have been... So he's, what, 70 in his mid-70s now? So I guess he would have been 40 or something. 55? Then. 30s, 40. <laughs> um, get this, though. Um... Because the script is, is was written by um, James Cameron. He yes. did the original draft. The original draft, the idea was for a pair of leads. So you weren't just going to have Stallone. You were going to have... Guess who was... There were going to be two of them, and it's not Troutman. Guess who was going to be Rambo's partner to go into Vietnam and round all those POWs? It, so um, give me a hint. Would it be ridiculous if this person was cast... Yes. <laughs> Richard Pryor. No. <laughs> that, 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 I quite like that, actually. That, then you end up with like a <laughs> shots movie or something, wouldn't you? But you no, see like a, some guy Pryor. stepping on his foot. He's like. <laughs> <laughs> so who was who was it? Danny DeVito. <laughs> no, it wasn't Danny DeVito. It was Travolta. Oh, my God. Dancing his way through the jungle. <laughs> yeah. Can you imagine? Can you you see that he's Lombada underneath the (laughs) tripwire? Doing the hand jive throughout the Vietnamese jungle. Would he have the same costume as uh, staying alive in in, in, uh, in fever? Yeah, yeah. With with his leotard on? Yeah, it's around the time of that as well. That whole Stallone directed Travolta in um, um, staying alive, didn't he? Yes. So I wonder whether there was an idea that came from that. Oh, yeah, yeah, it'd be really cool to have you in Rambo and all. Yeah, well, that'd be great. I could dance my way around the fucking jungle. Put on this head. You look pretty good in that headband. (laughs) (laughs) No, 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 no. Anyway, no. Um, with a Rotten Tomato score of 33%. Eh, not deserved. This Blood was really well liked by the critics, wasn't it? But um, this one was just kind of uh, pretty much laughed at. But a global box office of $300 million for a budget of $44 million. I'd say the summer was pretty cool for Rambo First Blood. Yeah, this R2. is the one that established the name. Rambo is, is now yeah, a, yeah. a cultural icon. Yeah, no, I remember the views at the cinemas for this. And, you, you know, I think I probably, I don't know, maybe I went to see Fletch or something like that, or The Goonies. And, no, I didn't go see The Goonies. But I remember going to see something, and the queues for Rambo were literally down the street. And it, it was before the days of being able to book tickets. So mm-hmm. the manager would just cut off the queue, and then you'd have to wait around until the next performance. So you'd be stood in the queue for, like, two hours or whatever, waiting for the next show. But... Yeah, amazing. 300 million and probably one of the biggest films of that year. Well, let's talk about another big film that hits home for probably both of us because it's set 
in the U.S. Well, half, mm. and the other half over across the pond. And it kind of only came out two days later, and that's May twenty fourth. A view to a kill from the Siberian ice cap to the Eiffel Tower. From the center of the earth to the streets of San Francisco, has James Bond finally met his match? Find out in A View to a Kill. Now, this is the 14th James Bond film in the series. And I have to say that the opening song uh, with uh, Duran Duran playing the title, you know, A View to a Kill. I love that fucking song. I love it. It's awesome. It's one of the better ones, isn't it? So, oh. do you know how that came about? With Duran Duran singing? No. Did they meet up with Mr. Broccoli <laughs> so or something? What, this is what, yeah, exactly. This is what, really? what I found out was that uh, Duran Duran was were chosen to do the song after bassist John Taylor, a lifelong Bond fan, approached producer Albert R. Broccoli at a party and somewhat drunkenly asked, when are you going to get someone decent to do one of your theme songs? <laughs> well, uh, so, so they're saying Paul McCartney, wait a was was, yeah, Paul McCartney did the theme uh, Live and Let Die before this one, right? I think he's probably, I mean, look, you know, a lot of the, the, um, uh, the Bond theme songs are decent that they're, they're all really good in their own right but to somebody like a kind of you know anarchic uh john taylor in 1984 or whenever it was he would have approached him shirley bassey and tom jones and you know the <laughs> sheena easton and people like that were probably not on his cool list so no um, no <laughs> no even somebody like you like you said like with somebody like prince who's coming in, you know, during the 80s and is the new hot shit. Even after, you know, what we did last uh, last cool uh, cool summer is uh, during Purple Rain. You know, yeah. he just exploded yeah. after that. Yeah, um, yeah. But, yeah, I mean, I, I've heard that half of this movie, either though people complain about it, I've had fun. I have fun watching it. Christopher Walken, Grace Jones, uh, you know, Tiny Roberts. Um, you know, Roger Moore, but Roger Moore was concerned about the way he looked. He, he didn't like the, 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 the violence in it. Um, because he's, I guess Roger Moore was very concerned about how he was portrayed hmm. physically on film. Um, I would thought, you know, in this movie too, Grace Jones would probably break him in half, you know, <laughs> after that, you know, the, the, the bedroom scene. And I heard that they hated, uh, recording some of the footage in Paris. That was a pain in the ass to do it. Yeah, yeah. I think uh, well, <laughs> there's a lot there. So go ahead. <laughs> there is a lot there, I need, and it is true, and it, it does stand out a little. And when you watch the film, that he did have some sort of kind of procedure done on his face. Bless him, um, Sir Roger. And uh, yeah, he looked quite, you know, a little bit more surprised than he normally does throughout it. Um, it was, it, it, he's gone on record saying that it's his least favorite of all the films that he, he did. And when I was when I was watching it as a as a kid, I I much preferred Octopussy. I don't know why there was something about Octopussy that just seemed more fun to me. 
But then as years have gone by, I've actually really, I actually really appreciate a view to a kill. Um, and I do, I do think there's some, there's some great stuff in there. It is one too many or maybe two too many for Roger Moore. And he was actually 57 when he, um, when he made this film back in 85. And, and th- that makes him the oldest Bond um, because Sean Connery was 52 when he did Never Say Never Again, if you count that as a Bond film. Yeah. Um, so yeah, so it, 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 like I say, it was he probably did a couple too many, um, but you know I think John Glenn, the director, who was a, was actually an, an editor on on a lot of the Bond, one of two or three of the Bond films, um, in his younger years, um, actually went on to direct. What did he do? Now he did he did uh, For Your Eyes Only, Octopussy, A View to a Kill, Living Daylights. Um, I. Th- think there was one more oh license to kill as well i like uh, that movie yeah 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 so i think it's okay i think there's one scene in there which i was reading about which which kind of made me laugh and it's the bit when he's underwater and he, he's trying to figure out how to breathe underwater and so he gets the old um um the, the tire the, uh, the valve the tire valve and starts letting air out and he's breathing it in and what i didn't realize was that um the guys on the Mythbusters show <laughs> tried to prove that this wasn't possible. What, 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 I have no idea why. Um, and they tried it 25 times and failed. <laughs> you think after the first time you would say, yep, I can't I, do yeah, this. <laughs> they actually don't do that in cinema anymore. They actually have a... What he could have done is... I forgot the actor who played his chauffeur. Patrick McNeat. Yeah, 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 yeah. Nowadays, the the real true thing is just to kiss a dead body. It take the air that's left in his oxygen back and forth. That that would that's that's more feasible than going a little tire spoke or you know <laughs> from your tire the valve tube air tube and you know it's like smoking a joint. <laughs> I think the cast is good though. It is. I, I, I think it's perfectly, a perfectly fun Bond movie. Like you say, it's got all the right ingredients. It's just a shame that he was a little bit too old. And, you know, when you look at a lot of the sequences in the film, particularly the action sequences, it's quite clearly not poor old Sir Roger that's doing any of this stuff. And the stuntmen just stick out a mile, unfortunately. But one fun fact that you will enjoy is that um, he has, the, he has the, 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 the record for the amount of women that he beds, which is four. God bless him. <laughs> it's actually tied with, with Sean Connery and Never Say Never Again. But, uh, you know, uh, purists will say that that's, that's not a proper Bond film. But yeah, mm-hmm. yeah, four women in this film, Frank. And don't forget, one of them, one of the first cameos of Dolph Lundgren's uh, you know, acting career. Was he in this? He would play the bodyguard. At the racetrack, okay. and he was also a sh- he was also stooping it to Grace Jones at the time. Yeah, he was. I remember now because of the vamp um, anecdote we found out. So yeah, wow. Okay. <laughs> the vamp, <laughs> the vamp <laughs> panic, the sex scene in Vamp where he, he he stood on set watching, making sure that it didn't go too far. All I know is, is that you know the, one of the funniest parts in this movie, you know, besides you know. Christopher Walken is supposed to be this, you know, chemically engineered human, um, you know, derived from horse semen. Uh, <laughs> uh, 
when he starts his death scene, you know, spoiler alert, big fucking deal. Uh, he's laughing. <laughs> oh, what, <laughs> he, the, the mine. Was it? Is it? The, no, it's on the the, the hot the, air balloon. Hot. It's it's Grace Jones who dies in the, the Silicon yeah. Valley, yeah. isn't it? Yeah, yep. that kind of, um, you know he, but you know he's laughing as he's falling. He's like, <laughs> <You know? laughs> what do they call him? I forget what his name is. Max Zorn. Zorin. That's it. Yeah. 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 Yeah, and he wants to, and his whole thing was he was basically very um, Gene Hackmanish and um, for Lex Luthor, where he thought Silicon Valley, if he destroyed everything there, he would own all of it and become yeah. the number one producer of microchips. Yeah, yeah. So yeah. something very different from the Soviet, you know, trying to find a spy camera with you know bomb making materials, you know, the same. Stuff that uh, James Bonds goes after, you know, the Soviet Union and everything. It's it's uh, this one was a step back from it and did something, you know, where someone's trying to just destroy half the coast of, you know, the the west coast of Pacific. Yeah, yeah. So it's good. I mean, I like, I'm, yeah, I'm I like it, it too. I mean, it it the budget was thirty million and it made you know fifty point three million, but the round score tomato on the critics only gave it thirty percent, you know, favorable score. Was yeah, it cool it, though? I think it's cool. Just, I think it's not. Somebody said to me the other day that that all the final outings for the James Bonds are always the lowest um, box office, yeah, uh, or the the least successful, and and it's kind of true in a way um, when you look at it. I mean, if you count Never Say Never Again, that wasn't so much of a hit. If you count View to a Kill, wasn't really a great hit. If you count um, the, the the Timothy Dalton one, a License to Kill, that was a that, that was a flop because they went too too R rated with that. Paul Roger, it was probably his least successful one of the whole franchise. So, um, but yeah, I, I like it. I, I don't think it deserves to be the least successful. But uh, there you go. Okay, so we're going to next move on to a comedy. So that comedy released in May on the thirty first, Chevy Chase. And Fletch. Oh, for God, Don, Don. What is this man saying? What is this man doing? What in the hell's the matter with you? What is this man's name? My name is Igor Stravinsky. Hi there, I'm uh, Harry S. Truman. I'm uh, Don Corleone. They call him Fletch. Fletch! Fletch! Fletch, F. Fletch. He's good at defending himself. Better tie your shoelaces. Disguising himself. And getting himself into trouble. Well, it be Fletch. Go ahead. Make my day. He's a reporter. There are no tags on these mattresses. Who's about to write the story of a lifetime. Will you kill me? Sure. If he lives. Thanks a lot! There isn't a woman he can't charm. Can I borrow your towel for a sec? My car just hit a water buffalo. A question he won't ask. You and your wife are currently alive, I take it. Drop your shorts and bend over, Mr. Babar. A risk he won't take. Probably feel 100% Moon River. To get to the truth. It looks like you two have a lot to talk over. We'll just catch the last 10 minutes of Dynasty. Universal Pictures presents Chevy Chase as Fletch. My hero. Welcome to it. I kind of, uh, I think Fletch 2 is better for me than than this one, though. Really? Uh, yeah, I kind of enjoy Fletch 2. 
Now, you got to remember, me as a kid in the 80s, I always saw the sequels before the originals. Yeah, I guess so. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> I mean, are, are you a fan of uh, Fletch? I loved the first Fletch. I like I I, I I loved Chevy Chase in the eighties, and I, I, it was such a shame when all this stuff came out about him. I've been one of the most, you know, one of the worst actors to work with, and, and being quite a despicable character and all this sort of stuff. And and you know, at least the guys held his hands up now and said, "Yeah, I was a complete dick." I'm you know, and I, I I'm not going to apologize for that. It's too late for me to apologize for it now. You kind of watch some of his movies through different eyes now that you know all of this stuff I mean the stuff with him and Bill Murray is really sad and um, but Fletch I think at the time I really loved it and, it, and uh, plot wise for those of you who haven't seen Fletch is about this newspaper reporter who's offered a, a hell of a, a, a lot of money to kind of to, 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 to kill this, this, this rich cancer sufferer uh, and he, 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 he finds out that the guy actually isn't suffering from cancer doesn't he mm-hmm yeah, yeah. It's a scheme. It is, yeah, yeah. I think he, he counts it as as his, the best movie that he's ever done. And I could possibly agree with that because I'm not as big a vacation fan as, as you are, you know, probably. To me, the film always feels like, because uh, it was directed by uh, a guy called Michael Ritchie who, who did The Golden Child and a few few other sort of 80s films. Um, it always feels like a Martin Brest film to me. Mm-hmm. It, I agree. It feels yeah. like um, it, it's directed by the same guy who did Beverly Hills Cop or or Midnight Run or something like that. It's just got that that whole feel to it, and and especially with the sort of um, I can't remember who did the the score. Now it's one of the synths. It was it was either Harold Faltermeyer or Vince Cola or somebody like that. It, that kind of pounding synth score throughout. And also looking into this finding out that Charles Grodin was initially the first choice to play um, Fletch as well makes it even feel even more like a Martin Brest film because you had him in um, Midnight Run. There's also two more people. They had uh, Burt Reynolds was considered mm. and Mick Jagger. What? <laughs> yes, Mick <laughs> Jagger. You know, but because the guy who... Um, Fletch is based upon a lot eleven novels written by this guy named you know, uh, written by a guy named Gregory McDonald. Uh, yeah. So it's it's a, like you said it's just, it's a no, it's their novels based upon this newspaper reporter solving mysteries. You know, it's like a grown up yeah, party yeah. boys. But McDonald had a lot of since it was his creation, he had final say in a lot of stuff. You know, it'd be like J.K. Rowling now saying you know. I still have the rights to Harry Potter and whatever I think is going to pass the buck for the movie. I have to say, okay to it. Yeah. I think a lot of people have that today, uh, that, that clout. But, uh, yeah, I think this, this is the most grown up I've ever seen of Chevy in mm. a movie. Cause I think it's, yeah. it, there's some parts that are very serious in it. Yeah. Yeah. I think didn't, I was just, when you were saying all that then didn't, didn't they try and kind of, get this off the ground like Fletch Fletch lives not Fletch lives but Fletch Fletch again or Fletch rises something or, like that but, yeah like another third one myth or something somebody that tried to <laughs> bring it all back but you can't put Chevy in that movie now no <laughs> he's really old he's like 80 now isn't he yeah it, it is not let's just say he's not 
physically able to do it either. No, no, no. But yeah, you know, I, I, I do believe they tried to, I think Kevin Smith tried to bring it back maybe 10 or 15 years ago. And it just kind of, it, it, it sort of went away, didn't it? Mm-hmm. Um, but I like Fletch. I like it a lot. And and the sequel is not as good in my eyes, but I, I st- it's still enjoyable. And, and, mm-hmm. and the, the, all the kind of disguises and impressions that he does and, you know, always kind of fun to watch, aren't they? Did you see that there's a little Easter egg at the end of the movie? The first film? Yeah. That, what would that be? Fletch is wearing a hat in the movie. It's from the USC SS Nostromo. Oh, Alien. Yeah. He's wearing that. Ah, okay. Because uh, for the, the same hat that uh, Stanton wore in Alien. Ah, before he got his brains punched out. <laughs> <laughs> Yeah, so, but uh, you know what did what did everyone think of Fletch? Yeah, yeah, yeah. So, so Fletch was an eight million budget, which is just, just you know, um, I guess respectable, um, and it came it came in at sixty million globally, which is uh, a cool summer for Fletch. And also the the, the critics liked it as well at seventy seven percent. But so, not a lot of but not a lot of people would think to this day of thinking when they think Chevy Chase, they don't really think of Fletch. Yeah, though he says it's one of his best roles he ever did. Yeah, no, I guess I guess you're. It's more vacation, isn't it? I think. Yeah, it's it's more oh. vacation. But yeah, I'm gonna take a look at Fletch again. Yeah, yeah, he did. He did vacation five times, I think, didn't he? Um, if you. Yeah. So what? Yeah, he did. He did it five when you take into account the the the, Chris the last one. One, yeah. yeah, yeah, yeah. So, but now let's get heavy into nostalgia in our next movie. Let's go back to. A Steven Spielberg classic, probably one of the few. Well, we admitted that you know Steven Spielberg took over the '80s in general with his movies, uh, but this brought every adult and probably every kid together to want to go hunting for pirates' gold and booty. Well, maybe more booty than than, than pirates' gold. Uh, and that's Jude Seventh's Goonies. Steven Spielberg presents The Goonies, a Richard Donner film. More things happen in this movie than in six ordinary action films, says Roger Ebert of the Chicago Sun-Times. This way, this way! The Goonies is awesome adventure. Indy Jones, look out, says Pat Collins of the CBS Morning News. Just like that last prank about all those little creatures that multiply when you throw water on them. The Goonies, rated PG. Darren, do you love Goonies? Do you, do you love no goons no you don't like the goonies i don't like goonies no ladies and gentlemen this is the last of you'll see of the slaughterland movie podcast (laughs) i know and i'm sorry to to our friend chris snyder who who i know adores this film and and um you know he's even written his own draft (laughs) as to what he would like to see as a sequel now and what he would like to have seen as a sequel back in the 80s but um unfortunately um I I missed the bus on this film. I never saw it when it came out. Uh, and I think I saw it in my late 20s. And I could never get beyond that fucking continual screaming and shouting throughout. Um, I, I just wasn't a fan at all. Um, again, I, I think I was too busy watching slashers and, and cannibal films and things. An Italian splatter. Um, to, to Italian to, breasts. <laughs> 
to appreciate something like this at the time. Um, but you know, talk away, Frank, because I know I tried to, I tried to kind of uh, get back on board with it a few years ago when we did it with Dave, and um, I just can't. I, I the, the film fucking annoys me, and you know why they want to go on. You speak away, because I, 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 ladies and gentlemen, you, you hear this. You know how you know Darren doesn't find hey you guys you know, you know funny mm. at all you know Steven Spielberg has a habit of using real skeletons in his movie yeah does he dig these things up and just pop them in places <laughs> did he use them in this he, as well One Eyed Willie is a real skeleton <laughs> oh, okay Jesus Christ imagine saying yeah here's my father you can dig him up and put a pirate hat on him. Did he get them from, like, you need a medical supplies? Probably. <laughs> or, or, or from Poltergeist, they still left them in the pool? They still left over. Jesus. <laughs> you know, he, and they, they destroyed the pirate ship later. I mean, I think if you put part of that pirate ship you in a, in a museum or make it part of, you know, some kind of theme attraction, people will want to go on. It's probably unsafe as fuck, but, you know... Um, you know, and then we we have a football player that played sloth. Uh, sloth, yeah, sloth. You know, we we have a football. He recently uh, he died a few years ago. I mean, maybe a couple decades ago. I just don't understand. You know, uh, it's you know, you hurt me. You hurt me, Darren. <laughs> My heart is aching. Just, I know from. I remember when we did the greetings with Dave that we were modding on. I remember looking into it then and, and, and hearing that that, you know, that Donna had a nightmare trying to keep all the kids under control, and that made me hate <laughs> even more. You know what I mean? Made you hate kids? <laughs> oh, God. And, and yeah, there's just the noise throughout. I mean, I guess I'm not a parent, so I, maybe I'm, uh, I'm a bit more sensitive to these things, but just trying to... Every time it's on the TV, I just cringe because I just think it's kind of like... It always feels to me like... Like a like a kid's attempt at, at doing a fucking Raiders of the Lost Ark or something that just for me just doesn't quite work and um, yeah I, I get the whole Amblin nostalgia and all that kind of stuff but there are better Amblin movies I think than than than, than the Goonies sorry but it just never ever fucking clicked with me at all because I was as you say too busy watching things like Suspiria and Tenabre I think. Uh, Tenebrae at, at the time, so yeah. The one thing that bothered me though, and I, I like this movie, I could watch it all the time. I don't own it though. There's, it's one of those movies that I don't care to buy, but I will watch. We all have those in our library or in our, you know, we'll watch list. Um, at don't the encourage end, them. Don't encourage. Don't buy it. Don't encourage. We'll have another one fucking coming soon if you do that. <laughs> it's, oh. it's there. It's it's there. Um, it's gonna happen. Um, but that's why there is no more. There isn't a Goonies too, because nobody that was involved with that film wants to go through all that fucking hell again. There's uh, the part at the end where on the beach and they're talking about everything, uh, you know, all oh, the pirate ship and how uh, you know Corey had his mouth full of somebody's jewels <laughs> in his mouth, a mouthful of jewels. Uh, they talked about the the squid or the octopus at the end. Now, as a kid, I was like, what fucking octopus? What fucking squid? What the fuck are they talking about? Then when the, the special edition came out, you saw them. They were fighting a fucking octopus, like something out of Popeye. 
Yeah, yeah. You know, that's the one thing that bothered me. Other than that, it's a fun movie where, where you know, Chunk is talking about, you know, we want to know everything, kid. Everything? Everything. So he talked about his whole life and how he made people at the theater throw up. And, you know, and, and, and everyone's just like, oh, my God. <laughs> you know, You're but, making me relive it here. Well, I'm going to make you relive a little bit more. What would you do if Sloth came to live with you and your wife? <laughs> oh. Is that the guy that looks like a bellend? Oh, poor Sloth. <laughs> Which his diet is nothing but, you know, baby Ruths and, and uh, yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, and, and weak old, you know, Progetta. <laughs> but you know what? The, the rest of the audience doesn't agree with you, do they? No, um, they don't. I'm on my own. I think I, I know I'm on my own with Goonies. Um, it, it was it was a hit. It was a good hit. Sixty three million um, back in when are we now? On June seventh, nineteen eighty five. A nineteen million budget, definitely cool. Made three times its um, budget back. Three and a bit times its budget back, and um, a really hands a really um, healthy seventy six percent on Rotten Tomatoes. So it was a hit. And it's one of the probably Pains top, me to say that. <laughs> and probably top three uh, Spielberg movies of all time, probably. I think with the first For one you, being maybe. Jaws, of course. <laughs> all no, right. I mean, he didn't direct it, did he? He just produced it. But, um, well, let's, yeah, we always say he produced stuff, but, you know, he's there behind um, the camera looking too and behind the scene footage. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, so. All right, we're going to move on to a movie I've never seen. Darren, you're going to have to uh, give me some facts about this movie. Oh, it's a long time since I've seen it, but this is um, uh, on, on June 14th, um, the, the teaming up of, of Jack Nicholson, Kathleen Turner, and director John Huston uh, for Pritzy's Honor. Um, let's take a look at the trailer. A fanciful tale of romance and the mob. I love you, Charlie. Unfortunately, she's a freelance killer. I go looking for the bad guy, and it turns out to be my woman. She is a hitter. I got dead. Do I ice her? Do I marry her? Oscar winner Angelica Houston, Kathleen Turner, and Jack Nicholson star in Fritzy's Honor. Hey, that's good. Now, I, I liked this at the time, and I've seen it a couple of times over the years since. Um, and it's good. It's a good film. And it, and it was a... It wasn't such a huge success at the time um, commercially, but critically it, it was. Um, and it's about two assassins played by Jack Nicholson and Kathleen Turner. Jack Nicholson had to gain 30 pounds for um, to, to, to play. Um, his name's Charlie Patana in this film. Um, the two assassins um, that meet and start dating, fall in love, and are given the same job, which neither of them can bring themselves to carry out. It it was pushed. It, it I think in, it it may have bypassed the the um, the theatrical market in in some territories because the studio were expecting it to perform quite poorly at the box office, and so they pushed it out to to home video pretty quickly. Um, but it was a kind of I guess sleeper hit. It 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 didn't totally die. I mean it, mm -hmm. it was. 16 million budget it made 26 but it did a lot better than what everybody was was um was anticipating 
Um, had terrific reviews, as I said before, terrific word of mouth, and and stuck in theaters for quite some time, despite the fact that it was also on home video. Um, and so, yeah, you should check out the film. It, it's 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 got some great performances in it. It's one of John Huston's final movies. Mm-hmm. Um, he he was so poorly when he was directing this. I think he died about a year Angelica's later. Angelica's father, right? That's right. Yeah, yeah. He, he he died. He had emphysema on the set, and so he was carrying around like um, an oxygen, oxygen tank to, yeah. to help him breathe during the during the shooting of it. Um, and so, unfortunately, whenever the the, the I think I remember uh, reading that um, that they didn't really do much in the way of promotional work about it because it was quite tough for them to talk about the the making of the movie because at the back of their heads they had this this whole thing with. Um, John Houston being so poorly, mm-hmm. um, but it's it's worth watching, and I really wanted to include it on this because a lot, not a lot of people will have heard of it. Um, Jack Nicholson, you know, at that time of his life when he was just couldn't do anything wrong, you know, he had kind of uh, Oscar winner, Oscar winner. He'd done he'd won for terms of endearment, and uh, you know, he was coming up to some really really huge films as well with Batman on the horizon a few years later, and. You know, all the stuff that he did in the 90s and then in the noughties as well. I mean, he was just kind of... The, the guy throughout his career could do pretty much nothing wrong. Uh, and it's such a... such a, It's really sad that he's just kind of... His 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 um, his um star's just slowly fading out now, isn't it? He's, we don't see much yeah. of all, unfortunately. Well, he's, he's admitted that he can't remember lines. Yeah. yeah. I, I think he's got one movie left in him if they just gave him maybe a cameo or just maybe a line to remember like you know fuck you you know maybe that would be a line you know stuff that he could actually remember uh but i tried to find this movie you did i can't i can't find it mm. you know maybe because you know as soon as you put in jack nicholson on on streaming services there's two movies that come up automatically the shining and batman right other and than that you know you know you get Maybe uh, as good as it gets, you'll get on there. You know the bucket list. You know you'll get on there as well. But this one, since it did go like almost like you said straight to video right away, yeah. it's just like the streaming services are just like no, don't even fucking see it. Yeah, like, no. no I, 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 I haven't. I haven't clocked any sort of. I don't remember seeing a DVD or a Blu-ray of it um, over the years. But I'm, I'm sure it's out there somewhere. You'll you'll find it. And Jack um, doesn't even talk about it. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> but you know, like you said, that one last film—it'd be good to see him do one last movie, wouldn't it? It'd probably yeah. have to involve um, him sitting uh, at the uh, on courtside at the lake or so, or something like that. But um, you know, that's all he seems to do these days, isn't it? But um, yeah, good old Jack Nicholson, yeah. and, a, and a nice film, Pritzy's Honor. I mean, with with the you know the critics uh, thought it was good with an eighty-six percent. You know, the budget was sixteen million. May 26, you know, even because with it, anything with Jack Nicholson in it, we're going to have to label as cool, aren't we? Yeah, yeah, for sure. Yeah, okay. Our next movie, coming out a week later, June 21st, is what Darren and I are going to be experiencing in a few years, and that's called Cocoon. From the farthest corner of a distant galaxy and the deepest feelings of the human soul comes a fantasy to fill your heart. 
of tremendous. I'm ready to take all the world. It is everything you've dreamed of. It is nothing you expect. Oh, I can keep a secret. I won't tell anybody. It's hard to know who to trust. It is the mystery of an awesome secret. It is the miracle of everlasting life. We'll never be sick. We won't get any older and we won't ever die. Beyond the innocence of youth and the wisdom of age lies the wonder of Cocoon. <laughs> 20th Century Fox presents... From the producers of Jaws and the director of Splash, Cocoon. <laughs> Darren, I love Cocoon. I, I think do. it's a sweet movie. It is. It is. And uh, you, can you talk about when you first saw it? Oh yeah, you know it's. Just, I thought it was was. I thought it was funny. You know, then I was like, because the, these these people, the, the senior citizens, you know, except for Wilfram Brindley, because he was basically like thirty when he recorded. Because they always have to. He's always he's always played old people, and he's not that old in these movies. Yeah, he was born old, wasn't he? He was born old. Uh, <laughs> so I remember, you know, I was a, even as a kid, uh, Brian Dennehy had a presence to me. He was this. Mm big burly guy that could probably get a confession out of you just by looking at you you know because he had this appearance you know yeah, even yeah. since i saw the uh, you know first blood i i liked him when i saw him cry even as a kid it became sad because yeah a guy of his stature you know he was a man's man him crying you know it just got to be and i like seeing you know I, i've always um had a special connection with with the the senior citizen population, uh, even in the job I do, because they're on a different level. I think we can all remember our grandparents. They were totally someone different than our parents. They had our back. So I actually, you know, I, I actually like this movie just because it was, they reminded me of my grandparents. And there's yeah. a couple on here that were married, really married to each other. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I mean, it's, it's directed by Ron Howard, um, Donna mm-hmm. Meachie, Wilfred Brimley, Brian Dennehy, Steve Guttenberg. And it's about this bunch of, of, of kind of senior citizens who, who are trespassing um, to, to, to go into a swimming pool, isn't it? Um, yeah. And they don't realize, but it's a, it's a swimming pool that's, that, that has these, these kind of alien cocoons in there. And, and they find that it kind of reinvigorates them. It, it sort of re-energizes them and, and, and they start to feel young again. Now, this film for me, I wasn't programmed to, to appreciate this in 1985. Um, because no one got their throat slit, or um, or was eaten alive, or anything like that. <laughs> there were some boobs, a little bit of boobies. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, and I, I really had a lot of trouble appreciating it back then, uh, or, or any sort of nice movie at the time. I think. Um, and I've since watched this movie quite a lot of times over the years, and just find it. I just find it really incredibly sort of endearing and charming. And and an emotional, uh, and there's a, there's quite a few movies like that over the years that I've sort of tossed aside when I saw them as a kid, and 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 have gone back to them. I remember Field of Dreams was another one too. You know the Costner film, the baseball mm-hmm. thing. Yep, yep. And I remember watching that years later after I'd seen it and being like an emotional wreck. Um, 
but yeah, it's 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 a great movie, and it 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 spawned a sequel as well, which I don't think quite lived up to the first one, did it? Still but, good though. It's still good. Yeah, 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 yeah. Yeah, but the uh, you know the, Brian Dennehy had a little bit of problem on this film because because he was caught drunk driving. <laughs> was it really? <laughs> yeah, during production, it, it was like was he with the boss. Oh, I just a <laughs> federal land, right? But. <laughs> Those aliens are actually kind of creepy. They are. <laughs> yeah. yeah, yeah, yeah. You know, and Steve Goodenberg actually has sex with one of them. Yes. Yeah. <laughs> I wonder what that's like. You know, all of a sudden, yeah. this glow comes at you. Like, he almost wasn't in it as well. I think. Yeah. That, that he 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 nearly didn't do it because he he demanded so much money at the time, didn't he? And then I think when he saw the quality of the the script and who was going to be in it, um, he he kind of relaxed a little bit and uh and took a cut but the 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 donna michi um won a best supporting actor for his role in this and he'd never actually um received an awards nomination in his career which i found incredible he, um, he stepped right up front of the line for this they offered him the role he, he was so happy to get it yeah he wanted to do this mm. you know it, it's something it's like do i do he said do i have to say fuck him you know, in this movie. <laughs> yeah. yeah. <laughs> but, you know, Nicolas Cage. Yeah, yeah. No, but Nicolas Cage was supposed to be Steven Gutenberg. Oh, Jack. Could, this movie would have took a... I couldn't see. You know, Steven Gutenberg had a better build mm. than Jack Nick, than um, Jack Nicholson. Hey. Well, of course, Jack Nicholson uh, had a better build than Nicolas Cage. But... I would have a feeling that Nicolas Cage on this set would have said, do you know who my uncle is? <laughs> <laughs> we know. Shut uh, up. <laughs> name dropping. Um, but yeah, um, Cocoon was a, a, a big hit. It was, uh, it took 85 million for a 17 and a half million budget. Um, it was, it was certainly cool. Um, and a good 79% on, on Rotten Tomatoes. Um, yeah. I guess you know Ron Howard was starting to sort of mature when he when he made this. You know he'd made movies like Splash beforehand, and um, I think everything that sort of came subsequently after this, he'd done. Uh, what was it Willow and and uh, he's he established himself as a director, yeah, not yeah. just Opie, you know, from yeah. and, or you know Richie, Richie, from, you know, yeah. He's he's actually done. I think he's better known now or made most of his money on directing and how he has a keen eye to, you know, pull on your heartstrings a little bit. Yeah. 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 So I like, I like cocoon. I think it's, I think it's a great heartwarming story. Uh, one of these days you and I are going to have to take a swim together in a pool and see if we are getting rejuvenated. <laughs> Just you and me. <laughs> you turn on the hot tub part of it. Yeah. 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 But you know what? Maybe there should be another movie, you know, uh, you know, cocoon versus, you know, uh, Body snatchers. <laughs> <laughs> there you go. Uh, moving on that same day, you know, where we're rejuvenating, you know, old people, making them feel better. Let's take some of that life back and, and Toby Hooper's, you know, life force. They watched. They waited. Now their time has come. Out of the depths of space, the ultimate terror 
that he knows what it is. You don't know what we're dealing with here. An evil we cannot comprehend. A beauty we cannot resist. Come, be with me. An alien force that feeds on raw living energy. It's already spreading. You didn't stop it, it's too late. Life force. In the blink of an eye, the terror begins. Rated R. Darren, this is this is one of my uh, this is on my uh, vampires list, wasn't it? It was a space it was. vampire. It was uh, again a film I saw when it first came out, and then I watched it this morning again, and um, it sucked. <laughs> no, no, I don't, I just think I mean it depends which way you look at it. I mean, it, uh, it's it's a mess, but it's also a fun mess. Um, I know that it was massively troubled wasn't it the shoot mm-hmm. yeah, I, yeah i didn't appreciate how heavily it it um it leans into the kind of the london thing as well i'd, I'd totally forgotten about that to the point where is you know it's usually kind of americans who send up the british accent but we're doing it ourselves in this film you know there's <laughs> all these fucking posh bloody uh, Brits that, that are bouncing around. You've got the likes of Peter Firth, Frank Finley, Patrick Stewart, all hamming it up in this movie. And um, we've all been on Star uh, Star Trek's episodes. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, yeah. But it's it basically there's this um, a space shuttle expedition, which is a combined uh, effort between the US and the UK, um, and they come across a, a race of, of space vampires. And one of them gets brought back to um, to, to England, um, who's in the form of a, a 17-year-old um, model, I guess, called uh, who's who's known. The actress was called uh, was was Matilda May, who played this uh, this character. God bless her. Yeah, yeah. Um, She's naked throughout the whole movie. She is naked throughout the whole thing. And but reading up about this, there's something a bit creepy about it as well. I'm going to spoil it now for you now, Frank. But uh, no, you won't. Go ahead. Uh, now. <laughs> when you read this now with 2021 eyes, it doesn't kind of. I'll, I'll read it out and don't shoot the messenger here. So, Toby Hooper once revealed that in the early stages of shooting, they waxed Matilda May's pubic hair off, completely thinking it would make her look less nude. It didn't. In fact, it was worse because then her, her vulva was exposed, <laughs> making her look even younger. So they had her grow a bikini strip of pubes back. May had to frequently remove her pants and panties to allow Hooper to inspect her. Makeup artist Sandra Exelby talked about it in an interview. We had this big decision about Matilda May. Tobe Hooper said, I want all her body hair off. And I said, you can't do that, Toby. She's a young girl. At the time, she was only 18. 90% of the film, she was on camera nude while walking about. You cannot take all the body hair away, he said. Well, I want the pubic hair as short as possible and lighten it up. (laughs) I don't really want to see it. So every morning I was on my knees trimming and coloring and making it look all perfect. In some cases, Exelby didn't actually cut it, but simply sprinkled some hairs cut from wigs around May to satisfy Hooper. So this guy... Can you read that again slowly, please? (laughs) (laughs) It sounds like an erotic novel. Had an obsession for this 18-year-old girl's pubes (laughs) and was demanding to look at them every day to see if they'd grown the right length before he got his camera out. 
<laughs> Get the wigs. <laughs> Oh. <laughs> you know what the film reminds me of? Get Burt Reynolds' wig. <laughs> <laughs> what does it remind you of? It reminds me a lot of Species. Mm. Mm-hmm. Excellent. Yeah. yeah. Good. Uh, good point there. I but th- I think I think Species is done slightly better. It is fun. I'll give it that. I love watching all these British character actors running around saying, "I'm with the SAS. Open this door now." All that kind of stuff is just fantastic. And the one American's like, fuck you. <laughs> Stephen yeah. Rails back, you know. I mean, but there, there isn't a. a this, we got to have to say something. This is a canon film, isn't it? It is. It is. Okay. We're not knocking it for that. I have to say something. This was the movie that prevented Toby Hooper to come over and help with um, Return of the Living Dead. Oh, really? Yeah. Yeah, because I know this was in production for quite a few years, for for about a year or something, wasn't it? It was there was there was a there was a, um, a a lot of issues while they were shooting. I remember it being delayed quite a few times. Um, but yeah, well, that's a good thing. But notice that that movie also has somebody with no pubic hair. Who? Leanna Quigley. Oh yes. Sorry, I thought you were talking about um, Life Force. Yeah, yeah. But still, they have an obsession with people walking around naked. Yeah, but but also you, I thought that that some of the um, you know the, the the victims that have had their li- the life sucked out of them and they're lying yeah. on the autopsy tables look very similar to the, the the effects work that was done in Return of the Living Dead as well. Well, this was also written by Dan O'Bannon. Oh, was it really? Yeah, I didn't know that. Okay, so they were supposed to collaborate together on. Well, Dan O'Bannon wrote both of them: Life Force and Return of the Living Dead. Hmm. With a healthy obsession of you know women walking around naked, in both of them. But Toby was supposed to come over and help out with Return, but Life Force yeah. you know took so long to fucking make. Dude. It's it's, uh, it's fun. Put it that way. It's fun. It's fun. Oh, it's I, lo- I, lo- I you know the, I love some of the zombies in the streets towards the end, and that I thought that was quite good. They just kind of cornered off one tiny small part of. Um, of, uh, of the East End of London and, and kind of shot it from different angles <laughs> to make it look bigger. Um, but yeah, it was... Um, it's, 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 it's interesting. It's fun. It was a complete fucking dud, though. <laughs> um, yeah. It cost £11.6 to make and was £25 million at the box office. They expected a hell of a lot more. I think they were... They were building building it up as being one of their um, one of the biggest movies that um, uh, that Canon's ever done. I'd say the summer was pretty cruel for it. Um, going out, but a cult classic, a cult classic, yeah. Um, and it was fifty nine percent on Rotten Tomato, so not entirely a hit with the critics. But yeah, Life Force, June 21, 1985. Fun fact: they were actually cool. sued at the end of that movie. Remember when the male uh, space vampires get in all the life force sucked into mm-hmm. them from everybody around them? The, the people who made Ghostbusters said that was a ripoff of their film with all the spirits are flying around in New York. Oh, really? In the first Ghostbusters. Remember where everything got released because yeah, they blew yeah. up the containment unit and everything was flying around? I could see the similarities. Yeah. No, Absolutely. So, but they left it in there. They were like, "Fuck you!" And then, and, and, but um, one of the uh, I just read that one of the uh, guys who worked on Ghostbusters uh, 
said, well, they kind of dropped it or they made some kind of agreement not to show the whole thing. But then they quoted saying, it's canon. How much damage can they do? Yeah, yeah exactly. <laughs> true, true. <laughs> so we're going on to more damage. And we're going to June 22nd's Red Sonia. Her courage was forged out of fire. Her power, a gift of the gods. Her destiny, to become a glorious new hero. Red Sonia. Only one man on Earth is man enough to win her. Don't be a fool. Try it. I make it a rule never to take a woman unless she can beat me in a fair fight. Arnold Schwarzenegger. Why not? Brigitte Nielsen. A warrior. A woman. A magnificent new legend. Darren, are you a fan of, of uh, you know, uh, what's her name? Rocky's wife. <laughs> yeah, are you a fan of Drago's wife uh, <laughs> going around with a sword and kicking ass and not wanting to be touched by men? It's uh, it's film's fucking awful, isn't it? <laughs> oh, my God. You have Conan in it, but you don't have Conan. No, well, it is. he's kind of Conan in everything but name, isn't he? Uh, I, I don't even know what his fucking name is, isn't it? Oh, I forget now. I can't remember. Who cares? But he, <laughs> he um, but Arnold Schwarzenegger was supposed to be Conan in this film because it's from the same series of comics or novels or something, isn't it? Yep. yep. But, but Dino De Laurentiis didn't have the rights to um, to the character Conan, and so he couldn't use it. And so he, he just called, he just dressed him up like Conan and called him somebody else. Um, film's dreadful. Um, I, I the sword <laughs> fighting is awful. Hey, it's just it's just an absolute dud. And he's only on screen. They sell the movie. He's top billing. Mm-hmm. Uh, if you watch the trailer, um, he's in the trailer throughout. It's pretty much all the same sequences that he's in. Um, and he, when you total it up, the ninety-minute runtime, which. I think at some point, actually, it's less than nine. It's eighty something minutes. Um, I think that that the movie must have been a bit longer at some stage, and they've just gone, look, we're nobody's winning here. We we just got to make it as short as possible, get as many screenings in as we can, and and, and smash and grab. Um, even even Arnie's wife said to him at the premiere, "If this doesn't kill your career, nothing will." <laughs> He's only on screen for a total of around 20 minutes throughout the film. And the kid in there is a brat. Yeah, yeah. The whole thing's just awful to watch. I don't know, but we had to include it because it's one of those movies that, you know... Swords and sandals, you have to. Yeah, 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 yeah. Um, he just kind of pops up at the end of every fight sequence that she does and goes, Good work, Sonya. Um, <laughs> that's about it. That's You're about ready it. to lay down with me now? It's <laughs> <laughs> like, get the fuck away from me. <laughs> But this is one of the few, one of the uh, you know uh, Rocky, um, not Rocky. Well, yeah, Rocky. Uh, Sylvester Stallone and Arnold through the '80s always had this animosity towards each other. Like, who was the mm. top billing action star? Yeah. But yeah. then when they when Sly found out that there was a kiss scene 
And Arnold came back and said, I kissed your wife. You know, he always kept on saying it you know, a lot of times. <laughs> it was one of those things that just irked uh, Sly Stallone throughout the rest of the 80s. Would have had an affair on this film. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> what am I talking about? Just a kiss. <laughs> Uh, you see, I can't remember whether the uh, whether Stallone got with Bridget Nielsen after this, or whether they were together at the same time, because they did Cobra what in eighty five or six. I can't remember now. Um, and also, Rocky Four was eighty five or six. I can't remember now. So it's all kind of a bit sort of, you know, which came first? I don't know, but I do know that that Arnie had an affair with. Um, uh, with Brigitte Nielsen when they were filming this. Um, he did it as a favor to Dino, didn't he? To Dino what, DeLone. the affair? <laughs> <laughs> the movie. For oh, time. well, come on, man. You're going, you know. Oh. <laughs> <laughs> Sorry, I shouldn't make that clear. He yeah. did the movie as a, as, a, as, a, as a favor to Dino. So, yes, <laughs> so, awful film. Um, a, a 10 million budget. Uh, sorry, seven million budget, eighteen million uh, at the box office. Really cruel um, for in terms of it being, you know, Arnie with Arnie involved with it, uh, and nineteen um, percent on Rotten Tomatoes. So no one appeared to like it at all. Uh, and the film's fucking awful. It really is. Do you want to know another fun fact about this? Go on. There. This is the time where he actually started having an affair with his maid. Is during the filming of this right movie. okay so if you read sonia gave birth to another schwarzenegger if you want to hold it <laughs> put it that way later on uh <laughs> so thank you dino and red sonia for uh, you know breaking up one of uh, hollywood's power couples <laughs> with this piece of shit next um what date are we june 28th the same day another film i have big problems with um joel schumacher's saint elmos fire i can't remember who met who first or who fell in love with who first all i can remember is the seven of us always together It's not just infatuation, Kevin. She's not just a girl. She's the only evidence of God that I can find on this entire planet. Where did you meet Wendy again? Prison. <laughs> Hi, Felicia. How you doing? Me? Oh, you know, it ain't easy being me. You know all those nights we stayed up talking? How come you never made a pass at me? You're not gonna believe how out of hand it's gonna be. You know, Joel didn't. Joel didn't have a. Uh, just he didn't do this alone. He actually, his assistant actually helped them out with this too. <laughs> this film, what a disappointment! I, you know, a film's been trailer, not been trailer, but a film's been um, uh, talked about for a long time. You got this great song that comes along with it, um, and the title. I was like, I got to see this film. Send mm-hmm. helmet. This is gonna be great. Um, I thought it was going to be like another Irwin Allen production or something. Yeah, yeah, yeah. What the hell has this fucking title got to do with this film? Um, See, Animal's Fire sounds like an STD. (laughs) (laughs) 
was like, oh, what you? I went to the doctor. What do you have? St. Elmo's. Oh, fuck, <laughs> man. I'm so sorry. <laughs> this, what disappointment. There's no fire at all in this film. <laughs> <laughs> There's no Elmo either. <laughs> Rat Pack movie, Demi Moore, yeah. Rob Lowe, Andrew McCarthy, Emilio Estevez. You know, with a title like that, you ex- you you expect a big cast, and it is a big cast. But you expect that big cast to be caught in a fucking building, fighting for their lives, while flames are lapping around them, and they're you know trying to get out and jump onto another building or or onto a helicopter or what? I have no idea. But but the the, the fucking synopsis for this: a group of friends just out of college struggle with adulthood. <laughs> Aren't we start uh, struggling with adulthood now still, you and I? <laughs> I seriously thought this was a disaster film until I watched it. And I was like, well, something's going to happen soon. Something's going to happen soon. Nothing. Just Where's Paul point. Newman, God damn it. <laughs> well, you, you know, it's it's Anthony Edwards and Leah Thompson. They, they, auditioned, for, they auditioned for this uh, movie, you know, and th- th- rightly so if they didn't get the part. They were happy. They said they were ecstatic that they didn't go on. Of course, Leah Thompson moved on to a greater film. Mm. And, and mm-hmm. Anthony Edwards, you know, to a greater series yep. later on. And so. Uh, yeah. I mean, John Hughes had a part in this, of course, you know, and I didn't know this, but uh, Demi Moore was all drugged up and they demanded her to get clean before making this movie. She was she was hooked on the on the powder, the nose candy. Jesus Christ. I I, I'm such a disappointment. Um, I don't want to talk about it anyway. Let's move on to a good film. Actually, wait a minute. Wait a minute. Do you like the song? I do like the song. I do like the song as well. Yeah, it's a terrific (laughs) song. On every classic rock compilation going, that one is superb. You know, and uh, Ali Sheedy had a great sex scene. Yeah. Yeah, so, I mean, there's, there is some uh, redeeming qualities about this. We had a great song. <laughs> <laughs> they could have released that without this mushy film. Oh, my God. You're, you're right. You know, 100%, 100%. You know, but yeah, you don't want to talk about it anymore. I don't want to talk about it anymore because... I don't even when that song comes on. I don't even think about this fucking movie. It's not like the Breakfast Club. It's nowhere near something that should have been a coming of age story. You know, stick to the high school crap. Yeah, class do, better movie with Rob Lowe and Andrew McCarthy. Yeah, that yeah than this. You know, um, it's, it's so out of the realm of John Hughes. Yeah, you know, sixteen candles. You, you know, um, uh, even Uncle Buck. I mean, put Uncle Buck on fucking repeat rather than this piece of shit. <laughs> Ten million budget. Ten million on what? <laughs> that fucking Jeep. That cast. Yeah, yeah, exactly. Yeah. Um, Debbie so Morris' like, cocaine habit. Yeah. <laughs> Rehab. Yeah. Ten million budget. Thirty-seven million at the box office, and uh, Rotten Tomatoes score pretty poor at forty-three percent. Um, but you know, making three, three and a half times your budget is 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 commendable. So, uh, and finally, no honourables this week because we've. Um, we're, I think all the honourables are included, uh, given we're doing this over two parts. But um, June thirty, George A. Romero's third part of his zombie trilogy, um, or, or, or zombie series. Now it was a trilogy at the time, but it's since evolved into something else. Uh, Day of the Dead. 
First came the night, then came the dawn. Now comes the most eagerly awaited day in horror film history. George A. Romero's Day of the Dead. We've been punished by the Creator. We visited a curse. Hello! Is anyone there? For the few remaining, their only hope of survival is to find a cure. You're wasting time trying to define what's happening. But the odds are against them. We're in the minority now. Something like 400,000 to one by my calculations. And so is Captain Rhodes. Anybody else have any questions about the way things are going to run around here from now on? Their one chance is Bub. It's working on instinct. A deep, dark, primordial instinct. But their time is running out. They can be fooled, don't you see? They can be tricked into being good little girls and boys. Same way we were tricked into it. I promise some reward to come. But when the tricks wouldn't work... Their world fell apart. Let him go, God damn it! I'll cut you. Shoot that woman, you're dead. Wasn't very nice, you know. That wasn't very nice at all. You can just sit there in the dark. Think about what you've done. Think about it. The dead shall have their day. Day of the dead. Extraordinary, isn't it? Frank, I know this is your favorite. My favorite George Romero movie. Romano? You call Romero. Romero uh, it's my American accent. It's Romero. It sounds like a fucking restaurant. Romano. <laughs> it's Parvishan. <laughs> i you know i adore day of the dead I, I know you do too but dawn is your favorite of the series um but this is the one that established you know some of the best zombie kills that we've had up to now yeah 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 i just mean great, you know, an exercise in in practical effects work and and um and horror it's terrific film we've spoken about it so much on this on this channel um, you know, be it with our favorite zombies or our favorite, you know, gore moments or just in general, you know, when we've brought it up, um, there's not a lot that we, we can add to it. Um, other than the fact that it performed pretty abysmally, I guess, mm. you know, it, it had, um, I think it was labored with, um, wasn't it an NC 17 or something? Yeah. I think just um, from the kills at the end, you know, especially, you know, Rhodes's kill. I mean, yeah, good Christ, yeah. you don't see anything like that now. <laughs> no, no. Um, a three and a half million budget, which was what they did was amazing. And, but I, I would, Im- I would have loved to have seen their original, um, plan for this because it, it, if you read the book it was something completely different and you know the way that it's book ended is kind of a cop out almost not a dream sequence but you know you're just kind of chucked into the middle of somebody's um, thoughts I guess mm-hmm. um, and and it just ends it, it just cuts off at the end uh, you know when they're on a desert island having escaped yeah it, it's it, it, everything about it is is terrific apart from the way it opens and the way it ends i think and and if 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 romero had his money it would have been a completely different movie but they just kept 
the, the producers just kept cutting away at it and cutting away at it when he was when when they were filming, and so he he couldn't fully realise his his vision, uh, which is a shame. Yeah, three and a half million budget, five million box office, but a huge life and following after that. Oh, big time, big yeah. time. One of the. One of the few zombie movies that always has a special edition or anniversary edition that keeps coming out every five or ten years. Mm. Um, yeah. I would like to see uh, them do. Like, I think the ultimate zombie collection is what they did and what you have for for uh, for Dawn. Yeah, yeah, that is massive. Great. That is just yeah. it's 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 there's everything in there. You could not want anything else from from Dawn of the Dead for that. And it'd be great to see them do something similar with 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 day of the dead at some point and you know one of the and with day you know i remember and i've talked about you know captain rhodes being killed and, and being pulled apart the one part that's not laughable to me uh about that part but you know it is laughable but when he's dying his voice gets higher and higher uh but when he says, you know, choke on it, you know, that's still the funniest fucking thing. And, and damn you, Bob, you know. <laughs> which, you know. Which I said, you know, Bob is probably the iconic besides Harman of zombie movies. Yeah, uh, yeah. You know, but yeah, uh, we can't go into Day of the Dead any further because we talked about it to death. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So, ladies and gentlemen, that's that's it for part one. We got part two coming up in a couple weeks. Um We'll talk about the rest of the movies on our list. But until then, stick to the roads. And the best of luck.